Hello and welcome to The Plotting Shed. You're listening to Rachel McCarty, founder of plotplots.com and author of the book I Want to Like My Garden. Each week, The Plotting Shed discusses different aspects of garden design, but we focus on things that other books don't really talk about. I hope you enjoy this podcast and do please hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. Well, hello, good morning and welcome. You are listening to Rachel McCartane and another edition of The Plotting Shed. I hope you are all good wherever you are in the world. I must admit, I've had a few... Um, emails this week from people saying that they've enjoyed listening to my podcast which is so exciting you know you put these things out into the into weather sphere as it were and uh, you know people are downloading and listening to you it's always nice to hear feedback from people to say that actually they've enjoyed listening to some of the things that I've been saying and more importantly than that they've actually found it useful because ultimately that's the whole point of what I'm trying to do, isn't it? It's not just sit here and ramble about all things garden design. It's actually trying to help you find ways to make your garden more usable, more gorgeous, better and easier to look after. And that's always been my raison d'etre because as some of you know, I am inherently a lazy gardener. I'd much prefer to spend as much time outside in the garden just enjoying it rather than walking around looking at all the jobs that I haven't done. Last week, I talked about how you can try and make your garden feel bigger than it actually is. So this is a follow-on from that, really, which is, again, the similar sort of thing, but it's how you can maximise space in a small garden. And the reason I focus on small gardens or smaller gardens so much is that they are the norm for the vast majority of people in most countries. Most people don't have gardens as big as mine. Most people have gardens that are sort of 50 foot long, by about 30 or 40 foot wide. In some cases, they are really the size of a very large sitting room because land space is just meaning that house sizes are shrinking and and unfortunately garden sizes are shrinking. So we all have to live in a smaller bubble. So how do we make the best use of it? So once again, I was having a look on the internet and seeing what advice is out there. Um, And I was Googling how to maximise space in a small garden, small garden design ideas, making space, making your garden more usable. And everything that I was getting back was all the same. And it drives me up the wall because, and I bet you've done it as well, that you've gone and Googled it and you're looking for inspiration. But everything that you see is this beautiful design. It's a picture of a a very small courtyard garden that's obviously been created by somebody who's an expert. They contain wonderful array of plants, most of which, or a lot of which, would actually be not low maintenance. And let's face it, most people have got busy lives and they've got families and you've got houses to run and jobs to do and everything else. And you want to enjoy the garden and not be a dedicated gardener. And they're all portraying these images of gardens and and courtyard gardens as being these oases of 
wonder with so much stuff in them and, and there are ornaments and statues and expensive paving and all this pergolas and trellis and everything else. And I look at it and thinking, it's a bit like me walking into a clothes shop trying to find a really nice posh outfit and seeing this posh outfit, this beautiful dress or this lovely suit of whatever it is you want to buy or a ball gown and then the shop assistant saying, ah, well, we're not going to sell you the ball gown. Go next door into the haberdashery. They've got everything you need. And you walk next door into the haberdashery, and yes, they do. They've got the needles, the thread, the sewing machine. They've got the fabric, the zips, the buttons. They've got the patterns. And there is this expectation that you can go in there, find all the bits you need, and create this ball gown. It just doesn't help, because there's an awful lot of data out there on the internet. The pictures are data. The people tell you, yes, you can do this, you can do that. That's data. The bit that's missing is the information about how to use that and why they're using it in that way so that you can apply that in your garden. Because if you understand why something was done and what it's there to achieve, you can apply those rules in your own garden to help you make your garden better. So again, I looked at the RHS, the Royal Horticultural Society, and again, it was all full of, this time, show garden images. You know, those small gardens that they create at the Chelsea Flower Show or the Hampton Court Flower Show. And yes, they're gorgeous and they're lovely, but it's the equivalent of the ball gown again. How on earth do they expect you to be able to go back and create something in your own garden? So I've been sitting thinking, what's the process and how can we come up with a plan that can really help you? And the starting point is, we're not going to try and make a ball gown. Because ball gowns are great, ball gowns look fabulous, but ball gowns also need an awful lot of care and attention and specialist looking after to keep them looking great. It doesn't need to look that fabulous to still be gorgeous. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to bring in a more realistic viewpoint of what your garden is going to be. Last week, I talked about dead space. And dead space being that space that is created in a garden that you can't use. An example of dead space would be the area under the table and chairs that you sit at, because you can't use it for anything else. You're sitting there. It might be an awkward corner that's really damp and cold and never gets the sun. You're never going to use that space because it's damp and cold and it never gets the sun. There might be a part of the garden that no matter what you do and look overlooked by other windows. And so you're not going to use that part of the garden easily to sit in. But it doesn't mean it's dead space. You can use it for something else. But it's an area that you physically in the garden will not use. So if you begin to mark out those areas of the garden that you know you wouldn't ever sit in, you wouldn't stand in, you wouldn't sunbathe in, you wouldn't plonk a chair there and have a cup of tea in the sunshine, you begin to find the areas in the garden that you will use. Now that then creates these two levels. There's the area of the garden that you physically, as a person, as a human, are going to be sitting in or utilising, and then there are blocks of areas that you can't use. So the areas that you 
can't use are the areas where planting goes and storage goes and stuff goes because then that's not going to impinge in the areas you're going to move about in. So now we have the areas that you know you're going to use. Which are the best spots? There might be two or three spots in the garden that you have that you know you will move through or sit out in. The best spot, the nicest one, has got to be the seating area. Now in a smallish garden you're probably going to be limited to one area where you can sit down comfortably and eat and you need to make sure that this is as large as possible. When you look at images of small gardens there's a little tiny bistro table and chairs and yes it looks very chic and very bijou and very nice but you can't have a meal outside on a bistro table easily and let's face it when you go and sit outside in the garden you don't sit at these sort of chairs if you want to go and relax you want to sort of lean back and stick your legs out and turn your face to the sun and look up into the sky and shut your eyes and that action takes up more space so what you actually need to do when you're looking at the, the seating area space is the lounging area space how much area do i need to do that because it's really going to irritate me if i'm in my favorite part of the garden and i can't stretch my legs out and i can't tip the chair back because i hit something behind me always give yourself more space actually having as big a table and chairs as you can possibly fit into that seating area space you want to give yourself the ability to use that space in comfort and a bistro table and chairs doesn't really enable you to do that the seating area probably doubles in size from where you were originally thinking you could put it but that gives you a functioning workable comfortable space to sit out in then you have to get to it. Now it could be that it's straight outside the back door, which is fine, but you've got to have a way to get to that seating area. All that you have in a, in a small garden, obviously there might be a path of some description, but you have to keep the path clear. Now, the other important point to think about when you're maximizing space is, as I said last week, the garden is not a two-dimensional Thing. It doesn't have a floor and fences. It's a three-dimensional box. So if you're thinking about a pathway through to your seating area, it is not the space at your feet that is most important. It's the space at your head height. If you've got to kind of duck round a big large bush or something to get to your seating area, it's annoying. You don't want that. Now, I accept that this is the practical, pragmatic approach to garden design. But what it will do is it will give you a design that works. And again, if you go back to the analogy of clothes, the design of the garden is the underwear. If the underwear is really good and supportive, whatever you put on top of it will work because you're holding all the bits in place. Okay, and it will be comfortable. And that's the key that we're looking for because all the rest that you put in the garden after that is, let's face it, it's the bling, isn't it? It's the bit that 
you enjoy. It's, it's, it suits your personality. It's what mood you're trying to revoke. But the underwear has got to be good and it's got to be functional. So we've created an area then that gives us comfort and practical seating and a way to get to that area. So everything else in the garden is not usable space then. It's not space you're going to, to operate in. So that can be filled up with the nicer bits and also more functional bits. Now, being again, you know, a practical designer, I look at what will happen in the future and then make sure that what I'm putting in place now is not going to make that situation worse. And what I mean by that is debris. All gardens will create debris. Plants will grow, they will die back, they will drop leaves, they will drop petals, they will drop whatever. You will have detritus being blown in from elsewhere, you'll have soil moving about, you'll have a whole load of detritus that will just arrive simply because you have a garden. You know, a lot of small gardens don't have a place for a, a small compost area or somewhere to, to store the, the bins and this sort of thing. So you have to start thinking on those terms first. We can't escape those bits. And I see so many times in garden design that you have these beautiful gardens created and then the bins are just stuck somewhere because no one's thought about it. Now, I would love to be able to give you, here's the magic wand and if you do this, it'll all be right. But it has to fit with the garden plan that you have. So basically you have to be able to access the bins easily. You have to be able to get the bins out the back gate easily, but you don't want to see them all the time. So you can tuck them away and put them in to a corner, but this is the point in time that you consider in your design where they're going to go. Get those in now, and then we'll use planting to disguise and minimize their impact once they're in. So now we have to maximize the impact of the planting. And this is where, again, a lot of gardeners or people trying to do their garden get things wrong because you start the process of planting in the wrong way. And this is the way I would suggest that you do it. When you're sitting in your seating area, shut your eyes and then open them again. And the first thing that your eye focuses on, that's where your attention is going to be drawn primarily. Now, hopefully, when you've cited your storage and your bins, that's not the thing that you're being forced to look at, because if it is, you need to move them somewhere else. So we've now got the viewpoint, but I bet you, when you've looked at that particular viewpoint, what you haven't put down is, it was at the foot of the fence I looked. You didn't. You probably looked at the top of the fence. You might have looked at a window or a wall. The point being, you weren't looking at the floor. Then you do the same thing from the window that you would look out in the garden to most. So it might be the sitting room windows or the kitchen windows. Do exactly the same thing again. Shut your eyes and open them again. And what's the first thing that you see? And again, it will be, might be slightly higher up this time because you're standing maybe. So the point about planting is this. It's a 3D area that you have. The spaces that you have left in that garden 
are, are not flat, they're a column of space. So you have to fill it from top to bottom. But if you start filling it from bottom to top, you will put the main focus of interest lower down and that's not where you naturally look. So if you have the starting point saying, okay, the fence like my eye line or the eye line when I'm seating, that's what I've got to look at. And that's what I will look at first. So what will fill that space with something that is interesting and attractive and gorgeous? And then you work down to fill the underspace. A whole sort of design idea of, of starting from the eye line down changes how you plant a border. So what could I put on the fence that will be really attractive? How can I make the fence be more interesting? Put a garden mirror on the fence, put a trellis in front of that, and then have a really pretty climber which you might then add some solar fairy lights to. So that when you're sitting in the garden in the evening, that thing that you look at most often is a real feature. What's then underneath it needs to capture your attention in less of a, a way, but it can still capture it in other ways because you can have plants that move, you can have plants with scent. But if we lose this sort of approach of right I've got to fill up the border with plants at the bottom and then we'll have some taller things or something growing along the hedge. The whole planted border that you will have will be designed to give you the best interest at the place that you look at it the most. Which then maximises the gift that the garden gives you doesn't it? If where you can sit it's comfortable you can actually stretch out and relax and enjoy it, you're maximising that space. If you then have the planting that hits you between the eyes at the points that you will naturally look around the garden, then it is maximising its delivery to you. It is giving you the most back. So it's a bit of an upside down way of looking at garden design because most garden designers when you read books it won't tell you about it won't deal with it that way but for me personally where you are not a plant expert what you need are practical tips and clues and hints to help you actually turn your garden into a better more usable space but do let me know what you think send me an email or please do subscribe um, and I will look forward to talking to you next week where we are starting to discuss actual design styles. What does contemporary mean? What are we trying to create? Why are we trying to create it? What is underpins all these sorts of design styles and how can you can make them and use them to your best advantage? So I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Well, thank you for listening. You have been listening to Rachel McCartane of The Plotting Shed. If you've got any questions about this podcast, please email me, rachel at plantplots.com, or you visit the website with loads of different information on garden design and gardening advice, along with planting plans that you can download. You can look at the designs that we've created. So do take a look. 
and please do hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. You can also donate if you go onto the website plantplots.com. There's a little button there saying you can buy me a coffee. So all donations will be hugely appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your garden. Take care and stay well.